0: Thank you.
1: That's right, we are Music Biz 101 and more on the campus of William Patterson, the university. 88.7 Brave New Radio. I am your professor, David Kirkfield. Always here, talking to Music Biz, trying to make the Music Biz better. We're your free music, advice, radio show, and podcast. And I'm here with your good friend and mentor, Dr. Esteban Marconi. It's so good to have you, Steve. With an E at the end, not an I. Not the I. Yes. you so how are to you this week? I'm very happy because what am I wearing? What am I wearing today, Doctor?
2: What does that say?
1: Let's, let's, Nets, uh, n- n- Oh, m- the Mets.
2: M- yes, Mets. the Mets. There we go. That's so right. So you went to Metropolitan Museum.
1: I, yes, I went to the Met and uh, you went saw to the a lot opera too. Yes, I. I uh, ah,
2: did and, you go uh, to the ballpark?
1: I did not go Couldn't to. Couldn't get a seat. Could <laughs> I went you? to Wrigley and they wouldn't let me in. Ah, Not dressed yes. like this.
2: What a series!
1: This has been tremendous. This, and is this is a could dream do it come tonight, true. huh? This is the night. In fact, uh, we're actually going to have a a seven minute show. Uh, (laughs) The first pitch of game four is in about six minutes. Now, do you feel
2: sorry for the Cubs? Not at all. Not at all. No. Because
1: of the 150 year drought.
2: 1908 curse, yes. Right. Curse of the goat.
1: Gosh. Murphy the goat. And we have our own Murphy on our team who's done. So, what are we doing tonight? Well, uh, besides talking about Mets baseball, we're talking about performance rights organizations
2: aha uh-huh, pro
1: yes yeah, so we're going to have a great guest Linda Lawrence Cretelli who's going to call in shortly but mm-hmm. we we should make some introductions to begin with first of all again it is music biz 101 and more go to our website musicbiz101wp.com sign up for our newsletter check out what's going on in the biz follow us on instagram twitter facebook at musicbiz101wp and also, you'll be able to hear all of our shows as a podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and on iTunes. We just heard The World is Ours by the Alley Mac Project. That was the theme song of our show. And uh, we should introduce our student co-host. Yes.
3: Hello. <laughs> That's, That's how we <laughs> Why is that a f- familiar, familiar voice? Familiar. Uh, my name is Miles Franco, MBA Music Management major here at Willie P. And you're back
2: for a second time. Second time, I couldn't
3: get enough. In
2: how many weeks? Uh, I would say about th- what three weeks. Yeah, yeah, maybe three, four weeks. He's yeah.
1: he's up lives here full time now from South Carolina, going for his MBA. Right,
2: definitely, definitely,
1: right. Yeah, he has a Canadian accent. you <laughs> talking
0: <laughs> you are to boot? A. That's right. <laughs> I just keep saying
1: A. Um, Miles, uh, again, why don't you tell everybody why, why you chose William Patterson University to get your MBA in music management?
3: William Patterson offers a great program, which is a dual MBA music management program. I suggest it to anybody that is looking to do anything music management-wise or business-wise. You get the best of both worlds. Um, and uh, it's close to New York, which is the greatest, and that's what I want.
1: There we go. You want the greatest. I want the greatest. And that's why you're here. Definitely. And you are the greatest. We should also make our introduce our two producers. We have Jess Frank. <laughs> Jess Frank, who's here. Good to have you, Jess. And we have Bianca Russo. We have Bianca Russo. We have Bianca Russo. <laughs> That makes the day even better. Now, before we get to our awesome guest, Linda, we want to thank the Music Biz Association. We want to you all to save the date for May 16th through the 18th, 2016, when Music Biz goes to Music Biz in the Music City. We will be heading out to Nashville, Tennessee for the Music Biz 2016 convention. Us, uh, Marconi and I, a group of students, we're going to interview industry pros, make connections, record them for future radio shows and podcasts. It's actually going to be a class, Dr. Marconi. It's going to be great going on. And what's
2: happening next Monday night?
1: This coming Monday night, which will be also the same as next Monday night, we have Music Biz Live, Music Biz 101 and More Live. It's a music industry networking and panel presentation. And we have some great guests who are coming into William Patterson to talk about the biz. Is that open for anyone? That is open for anyone, Doctor Marconi. Who's looking for a career in the music business? This would be the place to go, and this and would be the thing on the to panel? do. We have Paul Sinclair, our good from Atlant- a good yes. friend from Atlantic Records. We have Carl Guthrie, entertainment lawyer, mm-hmm. who is uh, on the faculty here. We have Josh Bernstein. Josh works for Alternative Press Magazine. AP is do, do I to say Alternative Press Magazine? Is that the wrong thing to say? Th- That's the right thing. So That's I'm, the title of the magazine. Yeah, right. I'm checking with our, our, our hip our resident producers. That's three. Joanne Kelsey, who was with Razor and Tie Publishing, and we actually had her on the show back in April, and she mm-hmm. just moved on to another publishing company because uh, Razor and Tie was purchased, so we'll talk about that. And then our fifth guest is going to be Rob Fusari. That's <laughs> As You right. see me talk slowly. Read Marconi's lips. Rob Fusari, who has won two Hope. Grammys. Terry Noki, graduate of the program and has been on our radio show as well. Go back, listen to the podcast. But you're welcome. Come on down. Listen. uh, Network with these people. Bring your business cards. And uh, we're hopefully. And there will be some free pizza at the beginning. And Bianca Russo, who is here, has been a a large part of uh, organizing this. So, again, one more time for (laughs) Bianca Russo because she's here. Bianca's here tonight. It's no show without Bianca Russo and Jess Frank. (laughs) So, should we get going? Has our guest called in, Jess Frank?
4: Yes, she has.
1: Our guest, Great. Linda Lawrence Critelli, Vice President, Writer, Public Relations, sorry, Publisher Relations for CSAC, the Performance Rights Organization. Linda Critelli, oh, Lawrence, Lawrence Critelli, I've blown your introduction, Linda. How are you? I'm David Philp from the University of William Patterson. How are you? Linda. Linda. Yes. There we go. Ah. How are you, Linda? There we go. Hi, how are you?
0: Good.
5: Uh,
1: Professor Dave Philpin, and your good friend, Stephen Marconi. We have to welcome hey. Linda back
2: to William Patterson.
5: I know. It's been a long time
2: since I was there. Very God, early, really in the mid-80s. Time. She was uh, one of the lecturers on our Friday morning series.
5: Yeah, actually. yeah. She does early remember 90s, she was not okay. a star
2: then. <laughs> now she is, but she wasn't at that time. Yes. So how are you?
5: I'm good, I'm really good. I'm just uh really looking forward to talking to you guys and uh I went online and saw you guys have a really cool uh interview series so that's really great. I'm happy to be a part of it. Thanks for
2: having me. Thank you so things are happening at Sec, aren't they?
5: Oh my gosh, it's like a whole new company you know it's mm-hmm. it's really moving and shaking, and it's it's really. Morphing into a very interesting, uh, uh, interesting company. Mm-hmm. So, um, so
2: the purchase
5: of Harry, Harry Fox, Fox Agency. Agency, yeah.
2: And what's that going to do for c and Well, the I affiliates? think it's going
5: to do a lot of great things for C-SAC, and likewise for Fox. I mean, you know, outside of the United States, performing rights organizations often also collect mechanical mm-hmm. licensing. So it's more of like a one-stop shop and that's going to be eventually what we're going to be able to offer
0: Mm -hmm. at
5: CSAC. So, you know, it's the beginning phases right now we're merging the databases and that has brought in a whole new um, outlook on, on the possibilities of what CSAC can be to, um, you know, to global rights licensing. Mm -hmm. And, um, It's a very exciting time, and the fact that we've got the the database from Harry Fox, merging it with the CSAC database, uh, it really opens up some really great, great opportunities for us. So it's going to be a very interesting next few years. You know, Michael Simon, I think you said he was a guest um, of yours recently. A a few
2: weeks ago, Um, he said the same thing, that the idea of uh, what we would hope to have in the United States at some point in time, a one-stop for a copyright holder and publisher uh, would be just great, and this might be the first step, hopefully.
5: Well, it's certainly going to be a great attempt, and we have some amazing leadership uh, at CSAC. Um, You know, with Pat Collins, our president, but Mm -hmm. also with our new CEO, John Josephson, and his partner, um, Kelly Turner, uh, they've really brought in, some really interesting ideas to the company and yeah. one of them was bringing on you know Harry Fox along with Michael Simon and also the purchase of Rumblefish which you yeah. know, some of your listeners might be familiar with Rumblefish because it's a little micro licensing company mm-hmm. um which you know sort of unknown songwriters could actually if they knew how to play it right could get their music on Rumblefish and actually get some performance money from it uh, by having just you know the the, the common common uh, consumer purchasing and using their music for their background videos mm-hmm. and um, the infrastructure of that company really lent itself to um, the whole vision that John Josephson had of of building a multi rights
0: mm-hmm. uh, platform mm-hmm. for comp-
5: for csac. And morphing into the whole the the future of digital licensing. Yeah. So um, it's very interesting. So now Rumblefish is going to sort of take over some of the platform of Harry Fox's um, agency, Harry Fox's uh, uh, technical background mm-hmm. that they have in their in their back in their backstage area, and and they're going to uh, morph those two systems together. It's a, it's a company called Slingshot. You might have heard of mm-hmm. their, their mm-hmm. platform yep. for licensing. So they're going to merge that. It's going to be under the, under the guise of Rumblefish. So now mm-hmm. we've got sort of three companies, CSAC Performing Rights, Perry Fox, Mechanicals, and uh, Rumblefish, mm-hmm. which is going to be for digital licensing.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: It's great. So it's an exciting time, you know, yeah. and, and an exciting time in performing rights in general. Right. You know?
2: Let's back up a little bit, because CSAC originally came to America to um, take care of the rights of European authors and stage
5: Yeah, so if you, if you Google CSAC... <laughs> Right. Unfortunately, what comes up was its original name, which in 1931 the company was founded as the Society of European Stage Authors and Composers. Mm-hmm. Well, this was back in 1931, you know, before the radio even came uh, came about. Um, so this was really for for licensing, like vaudeville performances. And the gentleman who founded c Paul Heineke, he was a, he was a European publisher. Mm-hmm. And he would come to the United States and hang out with his ASCAP cronies who were making money off of the performances while he was sitting in the you know, theater watching these wonderful shows. And mm-hmm. he was wondering, well, why isn't my friend getting paid? That's his song. So he developed c back then. And about 10 years later, he morphed into more of a full-service performing rights organization. Mm-hmm. You know, CSAC's older than BMI. Yes. A lot of people don't realize that. But we have a very hard time letting go of that name. I mean, if you still, some even some textbooks, it floors me that some people don't do their research. Uh-huh. They'll still call us the Society of European Stage Authors and Composers. And right. I'm like, really?
0: <laughs> Stage
5: authors? Come on.
0: Yeah, right.
5: That's how it started, and of course, you know now we are full service performing rights. we have been for many, many years, well, for and a we while, know you know we're known just just as csac, no acronym
2: right for a while you heavy into Christian music,
5: well, yeah. in the very beginning days, um you know when radio came about mm-hmm. uh, there was an f c c ruling that said. You can have a license as long as you program some religious music for four hours a week.
0: Mm.
5: Well, what every radio station did was they broadcast their local church services. <laughs> and the the Paul Heinecke, he was actually quite genius. He said, I've got an idea. I'm going to go down south and find the Bible Belt, and I'm going to find all the publishers of the methodist hymnal, the protestant hymnal, mm. Augsburg Press, Lilimus Music Publishing. He signed up all these publishers who represented the arrangements of these uh, you know, classic hymns that you and I all, everyone knows.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And um, he licensed those. So everybody, every radio station had to have a CSEC license for the religious broadcasts uh, that yeah. they put on. It was actually a genius idea because it, yeah. it allowed him the opportunity to license every single radio station in America. Right, and that will never happen again.
2: Right, and after that, um, I th- if I remember correctly, we started get into Latin, and then hip hop. Uh, well, the way it, it evolved,
5: I think everything sort of evolved on equal scale. I think much of it had to do with the executives that kind of ebbed and flowed yeah. through the company. We, we had a we, we built our business we moved a lot of the operation down to Nashville right and I think in the 80s is when they did that and um, late 70s and 80s and because of that naturally they picked up a lot of country music a lot of religious still religious Christian contemporary Christian music and then um, <clears throat> we eventually morphed into urban music and pop music mm-hmm. and we Uh, uh, through the years have opened up offices and we have uh, five of them in the United States. We've got Miami, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Nashville, and New York.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: We also have an office in London.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: So, um, you know, we've grown and we represent everything. You know, our our ideal is to have, you know, we're a licensing agent, so we want everything. We want everything from Latin music to to pop music, to urban, to rap, to hip-hop, everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we, you know, mo- many of the licenses that we sell are are general licenses and uh, they're blanket licenses, so you can play any kind of music that we have. Mm-hmm. And when you license a radio station, very often radio stations, particularly in the olden days, they would change formats very frequently. So it avoided having to relicense uh, radio stations because just because of the fact that they change their format. They were able to maintain their license and be protected and
2: Mm -hmm. that moving Mm -hmm. forward. Now, if I'm a budding songwriter and I come over to the CSAC office and say, what can you guys do for me, and are you better than ASCAP and BMI, what would be the pitch?
5: Well, I think mm, much of it has to do with how budding are you. (laughs) <laughs> you know, c is a is a uh, a selective we have a, a selective process. We're not really for everybody. You know, we're not mm-hmm. we're not for the hobbyist, We're for professional songwriters. It's not to say that we don't have a lot of writers who are up and coming and who are budding, if you will, because we do have a lot of those. But those are writers that we believe in that someone's actually listened to and said, you know what, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to sign them. It costs money to administrate somebody. Mm -hmm. We don't want just, you know, dead catalogs sitting in our database. We want catalog that's going to be working. We want our affiliates to feel satisfied with their relationship with us. Um, And we don't have that worry that our competitors actually have a tremendous amount of of, uh, dead weight, if you Mm -hmm. will. You know, Mm -hmm. writers who sign and nothing ever happens in their catalog, and that's, kind of rare with us. Most of our catalog is working or has great potential to. Mm-hmm. So what the first thing we would do is say, let me hear your music. What are you doing? What's going on with your music? Where is it being performed? Are you putting out a record? Are you working on something? Are you releasing your own stuff online? Do you have a fan base? Do you have a band? Do you perform live? I mean these are the questions that I ask young writers when they mm-hmm. are interested in pursuing you know pursuing a relationship with C And um, I give it a listen, and it's, you know, they're serious, and they have it together, you know, especially if they're studying music. I mean, anybody who's studying music or studying music business, I take them seriously, Mm -hmm. because I know they're spending a lot of money on their education, and they're serious about this business. Mm
0: -hmm. So um,
5: that's what we we do. We listen to that. And and what can we do for them? I mean, I don't know. It so much depends on... Who, who the artist is, who the writer is, if, if some, you know, wh- what they've got going on. I mean, mm-hmm. if they've got something tremendous going on, then we could really do some great collaborations, introduce them to record labels, introduce them to publishers, mm-hmm. uh, introduce them to lawyers if they need, you know, building, helping them build their team. Mm-hmm. Many times uh, artists come to us, they already have all that stuff in place, and they're just looking for a good collection agent and someone who will pick up the phone for them and answer their questions. Right, And I think that's, uh, you know, one of the greatest assets that CSAC has is the fact that we're able, we're responsive.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
5: And that level of responsiveness that we're able to provide, I think is, it really goes a long way.
0: Mm -hmm. A little
5: customer service is is a really a key thing in our business when it's becoming more and more automated.
2: Yeah. Now, the way you talk, I know that um, you're interested, CSAC is interested also in, educating the um, the songwriter whomever and you have some great um, stuff that you can get on the website uh, in terms of uh, educational brochure and so on that is um, uh, you know it really useful I've, I've pulled it off many times from my classes
5: oh that's great well yeah um, I think uh, you know, not to toot everybody else's horn, but I think ASCAP and BMI also have very good uh, websites, too, for that. I mean, I encourage all songwriters mm-hmm. if they want to learn about publishing. These are these are really great websites. All of us, ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. really good websites, and we have um, you know, video tutorials, that kind of thing, available for songwriters who are interested in learning how to organize themselves. I mean, this is one of the... Joining a performing rights organization is kind of one of the first things that you do when you're setting yourself up. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not really necessary to join when you're in college and you don't have anything going on. Right. You might want to do it when you're in a a more, you know, different frame of mind that you can make a solid decision. Because once you sign with ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC, you're signing a contract and you're kind of committed for a little bit. (laughs) It doesn't mean you can't leave. I mean, we signed, the majority of the affiliates we signed, quite honestly, come from ASCAP or BMI. But you, you're committed for, for a, a number of years. So mm-hmm. you know, make the choice a little wisely just so you know what you're doing. Right. Um, you, can, you know, BMI and ASCAP, you can join online, which is kind of dumb because you're doing it without having a conversation with anybody
0: mm-hmm. and
5: getting through to somebody who doesn't know who you are. It's going to be more challenging.
2: Yeah. I, I always say to students in class who are writers, when the time you should go visit all three and see which culture that you feel most comfortable in.
5: Yeah, and that's that's true. Although I have to say, Steve, things have changed. You know, we're all so busy. Mm-hmm. People don't really, they, they don't always take the time to have like a nice long meeting with an unknown talent. Yeah, And I true. know that people have a hard time at BMI and ASCAP getting in. Mm-hmm. Same here, I mean, I, I, if it was a referral from you, I would mm-hmm. definitely take the time. But you know, people are, car- it's its very challenging to, I think, make those appointments now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can start with an email conversation with somebody saying, hey, I'm very interested. I'd like to send you a couple of links to my music. I'm a student at William Patterson. Uh, you know, my desire is to be a songwriter. I am put out my own EP. Here's mm-hmm. a sample of it. You know, I th- that's one good way of starting with any relationship really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Linda, this is uh Dave Philp. Mets are hey, up f- Mets are winning four to nothing, Linda, by the way. Oh
5: they are. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Are you kidding? No,
1: you're you're talking and we're in, in the room next to us, people are screaming because uh the Mets are hitting home runs like crazy.
5: I mean, I can't believe it this quickly. If they do this, it's, I mean, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be an exciting yeah. fall. That's all I can yeah. say.
0: Let's go Especially to a game. at
5: my house. Because <laughs> that's where my husband is. He's watching the game with my dad and my son. So, oh, wow. Uh,
1: yeah. It's, it's, but that doesn't mean you're not important to us, Linda.
5: So, I know,
0: it's okay,
1: it's okay. <laughs> the, uh, the next question, a, a question for you before we go to, because we, we had mentioned on email that we have a lot of tweets. Do you think an affiliation with CSAC, let's say Steve Marconi is the budding songwriter, and he does sign with CSAC, do you think that opens more doors, because of your selected process, does that open more doors for him, possibly to publishers or labels or booking agents or whomever, because it's CSAC and it's not BMI or ASCAP, which I can just... Sign up for online.
5: Well, you know, I think some people respect our selectivity and and understand and realize it. I don't know how much a booking agent would, but certainly a publisher would know. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think so because it. I mean, everyone knows that it is a selective process. You know,
4: mm-hmm. you
5: have to sort of apply, if you will. You know.
2: Right. So, what's your actually your responsibility as a writer? publisher liaison? Is that what it's?
5: Yeah, Vice well, I do everything. <laughs> I mean, as you know, Steve, I've been at CSAC for pretty much my well, entire I was just going to say that. Career. You
2: are a one-company person, aren't you?
5: I know. Isn't that funny? I never in- really intended on that, but it's, <laughs> it's been such an interesting career. You know, I've really, I've really enjoyed it very much, mm-hmm. and um, naturally. And, you know, I have these long relationships with my affiliates forever. They're my clients and I, you know, care about them. Um, And also the the business has changed so much. So it's, and like right now, it's like working for a whole new company. I mean, it's constantly changing. So that's what makes it interesting and keeps me sort of, you know, interested in it.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: But, um... I'm sorry, what was the question well, what
2: do you do let's say on a daily basis
5: what do in I your do? job yeah oh so, uh anyway i because i I work with the songwriters and publishers, my main responsibility really is to bring in songwriters and to sign them ah. and and that and you can't just sign them and let them go. I mean you have to kind of maintain the relationship, mm-hmm. so uh I answer an awful lot of questions, a lot of emails. It used to be back in the day it was on the phone you know i mm. I even wore a a headset on the phone because I was on the phone all day long. But now with the Internet, I'm like, it's my fingers that need a break because I'm just typing all day long. Right. But I'm answering inquiries and questions, and I'm setting up collaborations, and those are very time-consuming because, you know, that I have to get on the phone and talk to the other writer and tell them about the other writer and
0: mm-hmm.
5: sort of, you know, massage the, the connection and then you know they make the connection, and then afterwards it's following up on the connection, uh-huh. talking to the manager, how did it go, blah blah blah. Uh-huh. So I do a lot of that, and especially on the on a higher end level, on our our more successful songwriters, you know, it becomes a little more time consuming. But
0: uh-huh. so
5: I do a lot of that, and I um I also do a lot of industry relations for C-SAC. You know, as a performing rights organization, we. We represent songwriters and publishers, but you know we also are, uh, even though BMI and ASCAP are our competitors. I mean, we're all sort of in this this uh, business together, and we we all are out fighting for the rights of songwriters. So I've spent a bit of time in the past couple of years lobbying mm. for the rights of songwriters, for artist rights. Um, I'm re- very involved with the Recording Academy. I'm currently serving as a trustee, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, I'm the only performing rights organization in the trustee room right now, which is kind of exciting.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And um, So do
2: you take part in the negotiations, let's say, on a collaboration, or is that for the attorneys? Uh,
5: you know, I general, I mean, I do an awful lot of advising people on that. But, you know, if they've got a publisher, that's what their publisher is yeah, going to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Linda you know, what... Uh, I'm sorry? No, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. Um we we hear a lot at least in in the biz about Cobalt and what Cobalt is trying to do in terms of a lot of the administration and and licensing. Can you kind of get into a little bit about the differences between what you do and what they're trying to do?
5: Well, you know, I'm not as familiar with what they're trying to do on a performance rights licensing er- uh, um level. But I do know that they are, you know, an admin company, and they have done very well with their company in providing transparent uh, documentation to their clients, which has been very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for those listeners who are not familiar with an administration deal – an administration deal is different from a publishing deal in that the administrator doesn't own the copyright. They're not like shareholders in the copyright. Rather, they're renters. Mm. <laughs> they're like renting the copyright, generally for a smaller percentage. So I'm just going to throw out a crazy, you know, just an example. Uh, let's say I wrote a song, and, um, you know, I had a catalog of songs, and I had a co publishing deal with Sony Publishing. My my split would be on my publishing side it would be half to Sony mm-hmm. half to me uh, as a publisher and then i would get all the writer's share and at sesac we we split up 100%. So it would be 50% writer's share, 50% publisher share equals 100% song. Mm-hmm. So in my scenario of my co-publishing deal with sony it would be 50% Linda Lawrence as the songwriter, 25% Linda's House of Music and 25% Cobalt Music. Mm-hmm. Now Uh, Oh, excuse me, 25% Sony Music. Mm. Now, if this is an administration deal, it would be uh, Linda Lawrence, Songwriter, 50%, Linda Lawrence, Publisher, 50%. However, that money is going to be paid directly to Cobalt, and they will take their 15% cut off of it. Mm
0: -hmm.
5: So they're really only, they're getting 15% the, if of the publisher, if that's the cut, I mean, it could be five percent, it could be twenty percent, right. depends on who they, how who negotiates it. But they just take a piece of the administration. So that is um, mm-hmm. something that's been very interesting, and it's actually changed the publishing world to, um, you know, very dramatically. I have to say, because nowadays music publishing deals are very rare. And we're finding even huge major music publishing companies uh, who have negotiated very small administration fees just to represent a particular writer. Mm. So you f- and, and their attitude is that you know we're renting it. It's the same thing, mm-hmm. whether we're getting the money you call it administration or you call it publishing we're going to just at least get the money for the time being mm-hmm. and that's what we care about most and they have to that's their only opportunity <laughs> they they have to in order to compete with with the cobalt they have to do that so you're finding we're finding all you know Warner's doing a, a tremendous amount of administration they're all doing big admin deals now mhm mm-hmm. And, and that's thanks to cobalt
2: yeah and it's um you know you can't get a uh, well we find it difficult to get a straight answer on how much you should get for streaming and per stream and I think that's what Cobalt's trying to do as an angle too, to say we're gonna be as transparent as possible. Uh but we even read where attorneys find that they don't even they don't even see anything about digital in the uh recording, the label contract and how it's going to be divvied up. Uh you know, including streaming. So it's it's such a wild west out there that I think anything that can sort of give somebody information is, is a positive step.
5: Right. I mean you're right. It is like the Wild West and things are changing so rapidly. And I think, you know, many of us we're always just grasping, you know, like like hungry little birds. Yeah. <laughs> grasping for any morsel of information that we possibly can to learn how the business is. I mean, there's a whole new set of terminology in our industry now. Mm-hmm. And just learning it and really getting them so that we sit with it and understand it completely, uh, it takes a while for all, all of us to be sort of on the same page.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: definitely.
5: You know, and, and, and we're, you know, as an industry, getting on the same page. You know, the writers, the, the publishers, the record labels, Getting on the same page is not
2: always easy. Yeah. We got a tweet coming up here, right, Dave?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, our guest student co host, uh, Miles Franco, who's getting his MBA in music management, is going oh, wow. he's going to read Did you know that we have an MBA in music management?
5: I think that's great. Wow, no, uh-huh. I didn't.
3: How yeah. you doing, Linda?
5: Hi, how are you? I'm
3: great. From South Carolina. <laughs>
5: Awesome.
1: With a yeah. Canadian accent. Go on.
3: Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, this tweet is from DJ Fade. He wants to ask, does being a female in the music industry have more advantages than female singers back in the day?
1: Well, take away the but, singers part. Just just, just,
3: just being drink, a just, just being a female. Just, just being again? a
1: female in the industry. Forget the singers. Everybody, we saw in your bio that you were a singer. So many of the tweets that we got were about you being a singer. <laughs> And not as many tweets about the CSAC part. So uh, this question is better phrased as – sorry, Miles – as just as being a woman in the industry, has it been more difficult for you?
5: Well, you know, I think it's definitely a man's world. I mean, I I will tell you that. And and, uh, one thing that – I don't know if it was in my latest bio, but I was very involved with an organization called Women in Music – and and I'm a past president of that organization, and it's still alive and well. In fact, Women in Music just celebrated their 30th anniversary, mm-hmm. and um, I was I was honored to be able to speak to the group. This was last week, and I was sharing stories of back in the day what we used to do when we had this organization, and we had 150 members.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Now that organization is up to 900 members primarily in the New York tri-state area because that's where all the events are, but it's really all over the place, mm-hmm. and they're branching out to other places. But when I was preparing for this speech for women in music, I was thinking and and talking to other friends, and, you know, someone said to me, well, you know, what's this whole glass ceiling thing? Hasn't, isn't that over yet? I mean, you know, people trying to, women trying to break through the glass ceiling to to rise to the top of their companies. And I'm like, are you kidding? It is so still the same. I mean, mm-hmm. it's such in so many ways in, a man's world in in our business, and it's very challenging. I think women really need to bond together. They need to mentor one another. They they need to help, share, and teach one another, and and really really help each other with their careers.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Now, if you're a singer and you're in Nashville trying to break break in into a, a country music career, good luck. I mean. There are, like, so few female artists on the airwaves. It's crazy. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: We had, uh, we run a lecture series every spring, and last year we had women in music uh, as the theme of the series, and we brought in five women, and they were, uh, Julie Greenwald was there, and...
1: Tracy Jordan from SiriusXM.
2: And Le- wow. Leanne, Leanne, Calli-
1: Leanne Callahan-Longo, who works with Beyonce. Oh, yeah, she's
0: right. great,
2: yeah. Uh, who else? Um, Ehrlich? Uh,
1: Donna. Donna. Uh,
2: what? Oh, Donna. From
1: H- Live H- yeah, from Live Nation, H- Donna. Yeah, she's...
2: Jen- oh,
5: wow. wow, you had some great women. Yeah, what we had, I think
2: say? we had three in the top, uh, three of the top 30, actually. So, we're pretty aware of, of what's going on, because we asked each and each one of them, basically, that question.
0: And, what did they
5: say? Did they say the same thing I said? Well,
2: some of them were saying that it was helpful at times, and also they always had to be sort of, you know, aware that they were the only woman in the room. But certainly someone like Julie, uh, you know, who has done so well, and uh, of course, uh, was more, you know, that it was sort of a matter of fact. That was it. Now let's get down to business. So we yeah. had that sort of that breadth of, of answers. Donna Eichmeyer, yeah. Donna Eichmeyer, and
1: Alyssa Pollack from uh, Premier Networks and iHeartMedia. Right, right, right. That, yeah, that
5: that's it. interesting. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the thing is, you, you talk to anyone who's successful, and they've had their own they have their own story. I mean, uh, it's, I didn't struggle, I don't think anymore. Because I'm a woman, then I would have if I was a guy. I mean, I'm just a I'm a driven individual. Yeah. Just like all of the guests that you probably are are reaching out to to be on your program,
4: mm-hmm. you
5: know, you, your people are successful in their careers because they're driven, they're motivated, yeah, right. they work hard. Right. And
0: it they doesn't all say.
5: Happen, yeah. They it doesn't all say happen. passion. It's not easy you know, a nine-to-five job. You know, sure. it, it, it happens from really rolling up your sleeves and going the extra mile and putting in the extra hours. Right. You want to have a successful career. It's not a 40-hour-a-week thing.
1: Mm-hmm. What would you say, Linda, because we teach, obviously, here at William Patterson. By the way, we're listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 88.7 WPSC campus of William Patterson, the university, and both uh, Doc Marconi and I teach classes about the music business. And what would you say to those students in a class who seem to be extra quiet, you know, the introverted type of person who is still interested in but getting into the student. music business? Pardon me?
2: But a good student.
1: But but a good student but still very introverted. Yeah. What would you say, um, I guess, words of wisdom to that type of person?
5: Gosh, you know, I think you need to just be able to find your own, your own way to communicate and your own voice. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hate to say this because I'm really not one of them, but the squeaky wheel sometimes gets the worm, mm. or what's that? it? squeaky wheel gets the oil.
0: Right. <laughs> I find people
5: who push really hard often get what they get what they want. And it, it is hard with people who are a little quieter. Uh, but, you know, sometimes things can happen to those, those people. I mean, if you're smart and you have an opportunity with an interview, with someone to impress them with your smarts, and you get hired, and you have opportunities to meet other people. People will recognize you.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I mean, not everybody at CSAC. Is, in fact, we have a lot of people who work at us with us at CSAC who are quiet. hmm
0: mm-hmm. You
5: know, they're not such extroverts. Extroverts, right? People in my department, but uh, you know, I, I think you'll find your own. There's, the thing that's so too interesting, and you guys know this more than anybody because you're teaching it. But there's so many different opportunities in the business. There, there's, there's like so many different jobs that are related to the business that are not necessarily the upfront jobs. You know,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if this
5: is something that you love to do, there, you'll, know, there's some, there's other areas that you could find work. You know, in, in management companies, and at record labels, at performing rights companies, at licensing companies.
1: Okay. Uh, that's a great, we're going to now get into we have another tweet that Miles is going to read to you because we're going to talk a little bit about the payments and how that works with CSAC. Here's the tweet.
3: Alright, Linda. This is from Tom Ricciaboni. He asks, why does CSAC pay out artists monthly rather than quarterly?
5: Well, that was a, a benefit and not everyone has to receive their royalties monthly. Um, you can opt out of that or actually opt in to getting it monthly. But you um, the reason is because we have the money. Like the money's, in, we, we're get collecting it. It's in the pot, and we're able to distribute it. And we thought it would be a great benefit to our clients. Many of our, you know, clients really love it. They like getting their money in advance. They need it, especially writers. You know, they don't know when their next uh, hit's going to come, but they might need their money right ahead. They want to get paid monthly. It was interesting that when we launched that monthly payment, um, there was several publishers that. That didn't want to do it because their accounting is based on quarterly payments.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. So not everybody does it. Yeah.
1: Now, now, what about um, payments from – and I know you can just speak for CSAC, but we we've have a, a good friend who works here at William Patterson who is the business manager for a number of different bands. And, again, I'm not specifically uh, speaking about CSAC, but he'll talk about – he'll get his uh, statements – from the performance rights organizations that are related to his particular artists. And he will say, I don't know how to calculate whether this is right or wrong. Not that he's saying anybody's giving him the wrong amount of money, but he said the payments that come from the performance rights organizations aren't, I guess the word transparent is, is to be used. Do you know anything about how CSEC pays its artists, what the formulas are and how, uh, how they receive their money?
5: No, no, I don't. Honestly, the, The formulas are kind of, they they change, too. And they change, and I think I would say the same at the Mine ASCAP, that the formulas probably change depending on what their distribution is. You know, they have to probably, you know, depending on what they're bringing in. um, It is really hard. It is really hard to tell because you don't know. I mean, it'll it'll just say, you know, X number of performances equals X number of dollars. Here's your check. And I could see where that would be frustrating if you're really trying to figure it out. I suppose you could inquire, you know, through the royalty distribution departments and ask for the current formula, and they'd probably give it to you. But nobody reveals their formulas.
2: Well, on, a, on a positive aspect of the performing rights payments, we're getting more and more true um, performances from venues, aren't we, instead of oh, yeah. using well, the old uh, broadcast percentage, and so on.
5: Well, you know, CSEC was the first performing rights organization to develop a live performance payment system in the United States. Mm. And we did that because, um, you know, many, many years ago, CSEC had what we called the chart payment system. And we would pay bands or, you know, musicians for the release of their record. And this was to sort of hold it over until it hit the charts. And then we we based our payments on the charts. It was kind of a crazy way of doing things, mm. but this was back, you know, before we had a lot of charting records, really. So, uh, so, but a lot of our genres that we represented, particularly jazz, they 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 count on that. They really like yeah. that because you know, yeah. it was, you released a record, you could guarantee that you were going to make X amount of dollars just off of release money. So when we when we um, dissolved that system and brought in, you know, a more sophisticated, accurate system, which is the broadcast data systems, which is what we use, you know, uh, for our, our radio performance tracking,
4: mm-hmm.
5: um, we decided to develop a live performance payment system so that you get paid on all your live shows. Mm-hmm. Because that, that release money was really to cover all the live performances, all the mu- music that was being performed while you were promoting the release of the record Mm. that we knew it was getting played we just couldn't calculate it we couldn't couldn't, uh... we didn't have the data on it but now we have the data So what we do with the live performance thing is that the, the affiliate actually fills up the live performance forms themselves and you can log into your account and it's pretty simple you put the venue name the time that you performed the list of the songs that you played And you get paid for it. Mm. And it was so popular that Be My and ASCAP finally had to do something because their their writers were saying, come on, people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially since live music has become such um, a a major part of an artist's career and financial uh, livelihood. So um, ASCAP and BMI have since adopted their own live performance payment systems, but they're not nearly as as lucrative as ours are.
0: Mm-hmm. You Do know, you
5: ours ours pays pretty pretty much. You know, we've got some affiliates who, you know, they really rely on those checks to 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 pay their bills.
1: Mm-hmm. So. BMI has an app called I think it's called BMI Live, where yes. you do mm-hmm, a show. Yeah. Where you can fill out. Do you have something like that, or is it like you said forms? Well, it's, you...
5: at, it's at it's okay. and 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 we don't have a cool name for it. Damn it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
5: called the CSEC Live Performance Payment System. <laughs> I wanted a cool name. We didn't we we didn't think about a cool name when we developed well, it. Call it so, Slee C- And what happens is you, when you're a CSEC affiliate, you get an affiliate number and a password and you log into your account and there's even more information behind closed doors. Like we have letters from our CEO directed specifically to our clients. And we have certain client services that we offer. We've got a lot of music placement, music supervisor tips, hints, logs on on you know contacts and such. There's more behind the scene as a CSEC affiliate once you log in. And then that's where you would, would register your songs it's where you can upload your music we have to have all of our music has to be uploaded you we've got it we've got a fingerprint it so that we can track it for for radio performances so if you're an independent artist and you're not automatically your music's not being submitted to broadcast data systems for you know chart tracking uh, we'll do that for you for free mm-hmm. we'll, 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 but you just have to upload it for us and then uh, you can fill up the live performances
1: Getting uh, over to streaming, because Doc Marconi mentioned that a couple times, when uh, recording artists and and, uh, master recording rights owners, say, labels, uh, they get paid when, for example, on Spotify, more on a stream when it's subscription versus when it's ad-supported. With uh, performance rights organizations, is it the same kind of thing? Do you guys receive a slightly larger – I know you guys are getting not as much as the – uh, labels, but do the performance rights collect more on subscription versus ad-supported per stream?
5: Yes.
0: hmm yeah,
5: yeah, it's kind of the same thing. And, um, you know, we're uh, c in a little bit of a different position than BMI and Cap with the, those online services because we're not part of the consent decree, you know, so we're not at, in as much trouble as uh, the other organizations are. Mm. But... Um, you know, we've we've been, you know, supporting and fighting in Congress for uh, you know fairness in music licensing. There's a new bill called the Fair Pay Fair yeah. Play yeah. Act, also that is uh, all about fairness in music licensing, and it actually goes back to terrestrial radio where we're trying to we're trying to get support for artists. Mm-hmm. who are not paid on terrestrial radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the outside of the United States, you know, um, recording artists get paid, just like a songwriter gets paid, mm-hmm. they get paid for their, their performance on radio.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, that money can be pretty serious. And um, you know, everyone is, is enjoying the sound exchange royalties here in the U.S for digital performances but imagine if you included also radio performances which are still outweigh digital performance digital radio right now mm-hmm. imagine if we had that right to license all of the radio stations for artist rights
0: mm-hmm. and the
5: amount of money that would come in the door is it's phenomenal they yeah. they really they've done some studies on it and The fact that we're the reciprocity between us and the other other societies outside the United States would be um, a a really fantastic movement in U.S. rights collections if we could get this passed.
4: So Mm -hmm.
5: we've been out asking congressmen to sign on to the Fair Pay, Fair Play Act, and the performing rights organizations they support it. You know we do support it because, you know, most of our songwriters or many of them are also artists. Too, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and
5: we want them to collect royalties too so the agent that would probably collect this would be the sound exchange agency because they're already sort of in place so we're trying to get them to be allowed to license all of the radio stations for the artists and the producers and um, collect royalties for that and that ro- those royalties would then finally go to writers, and it would open up the, ga- the floodgates because then our artists would get paid for their radio performances outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. It'd be killer. Right now they're not allowed to collect it because we're not giving it to them, to their artists, so they're not going to give it to ours. Yeah.
1: And, it's, and it's an interesting argument because uh, I was in radio uh, in oh9 through '11, and, uh, yes. And during mm-hmm. that period, this uh, it wasn't called Fair Play for Fair Pay Act, Fair Pay for Fair Play yet, but they were rumblings. And at the radio station – Uh, They were uh, um, urging us to call our congressmen to not go for this because their argument is radio companies, broadcast companies, where we're going to be paying out more in royalties, so uh, we're going to have to cut personnel and you'll lose your job and all that kind of stuff. So it's very interesting to hear both sides. And and I guess do you think in the end this will just come down to which party has the biggest lobbying money who can – Well,
5: I certainly hope not, Dave. I Mm -hmm. really do because the NAB – who is our biggest enemy, really, here, the National Association of Broadcasters. Here here I'm saying this on a radio station. (laughs) But uh, they they even have lobbyists. They've opened up offices in Washington, D.C. They're so fearful of this. But, you know, they they put some some, um, uh, thresholds uh, in place already, and they're saying that any radio station that earns a million dollars or less their annual fee is going to be five hundred dollars a year huh. five hundred dollars a year and for the little tiny stations such as yours like a smaller station their, their fee is going to be one hundred dollars a mm. year nothing So i mean you can if you just go to fair pay fair play act or you go yeah. to grammy dot com there's a lot of information on uh, grammy the grammy dot uh, com website grammy pro dot com and um... You can find more information, you know, really some great details about it. Mm-hmm. But we've we put all these in place, and, and and yes, this has been going on for years. Since the 50s. artists like – we even had – we actually had Diane War, Dionne Warwick lobby mm-hmm. with us in April because she's a great example of a singer – who sang all these amazing hit songs, but didn't earn a dime from her performances? Right. Meanwhile, Bert Bacharach and Hal David, the composers of the songs that she sung, you know, lived very nice lives.
0: Sure.
5: And uh, Dionne Warwick, unfortunately, has had financial issues, and she's like, God, if I could just have had that royalty. You know, I got paid when I was on the road. I got paid when I was releasing records, but now I'm. You know, at the out of my career, and I'm not performing anymore like that. The royalty check sure
2: would be nice. Yeah, Sinatra was doing so, this in the '50s. He was trying. Yeah. To, he trying to get a you know a, a groundswell. But of course, in the '90s and the so on with Clear Channel in New, in uh, Texas, and Bush's being from Texas, there wasn't a chance. So maybe yeah. now it can, you know. Maybe it's got it it's got more legs now than it's had in years, so we can see what happens
5: It, it does yeah I mean, if you guys are interested in becoming involved and you want to do some lobbying or get your students involved, they should become members of the recording academy yeah and actually there is um, there's a Grammy U membership which is so inexpensive. it's like fifty dollars and it's for your entire college career ah. plus two years after that.
2: Ah, yeah, we'll I mean, have to push that. it's so
5: worth it. And then if you're a Grammy U student, you would be invited to all of these lobbying um, days, and uh, you'd be abreast of it. It's a great thing, though, for your students to do. We could talk offline about it, too. I could hook you guys up. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: we should do that. With, but...
5: with, with more, more people, just maybe even a rep to come out to William Patterson, because you'd be part of the New York chapter. And we have a wonderful, robust Grammy U program here in New York. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, Linda, we need to wrap it up. What's the score, Dave? The score, but Linda, it's six to nothing, Mets now. Wow. I
5: don't even believe it. No. Oh my
1: gosh. I know. We're we're Wonderful. missing. Well, I think you're good luck. We should keep you on until the game yes. is over. Maybe <laughs> twenty to nothing. So. Excellent. Yeah. So we need to. Uh, th- Stephen, we should thank Linda for being yes, on. Yes, definitely. Linda Lawrence very interesting. Yes.
5: Yeah, oh, thank you all so very much.
1: Yes, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. But, Linda, thank you. When the podcast is up, we'll reach out to you. That way you can listen back to your your beautiful tone of voice and the words of wisdom that you've just provided, the students of William Patterson University. All
5: right, take
1: care. Thanks, Linda. Bye-bye. Right. And we Bye. will be right back. Brave New Radio, 80.7, Music Bids 101 and more. Give us 17 seconds, and we will be right back. Linda, that was Linda. That was Linda. That was Linda. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and More.
2: So Dave, we're deep into the semester. How's it going? Great. You've been busy on Wednesday nights at 8
1: o'clock? Yep. Co-hosting Music Biz 101 and more with you. Who have our guests been? Indie artist and alum Lauren Marsh, PR guru George Dasinger, Rosie Lopez, president of Tommy Boy Entertainment, and Adam Kornfeld, Rod Stewart's booking agent. I missed them. Is there any way I can still hear their words of wisdom? Sure. Every show becomes a podcast that you can hear on our website, musicbiz101wp.com, or on the Stitcher mobile app. And it's all free who's coming up next Grammy winning producer Harry Wanger Warner VP Dan Goldberg Sean Rosenberg the engagement director at Huge oh that's big <laughs> I get it the guests keep getting better and better our listeners too that's Music Biz 101 and more every, every Wednesday, Wednesday at 8pm only on 88.7 WPSC. WPSC Brave, Brave New radio. radio if you want
5: a about the music
1: in- You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more.
0: And going to
1: bring up the door gonna shut down the door. Well, we're shutting down the door very soon on Music yeah. Biz 101. And more. We were just talking over the break about the, the about baseball and the, and the break and, and coincidentally the breakdowns of uh, Spotify and uh, the payments people receive for one stream, even on demand. Mm-hmm. So we, I actually reached out to somebody from Spotify the other day, Dr. Marconi, because we mm-hmm. we need to get somebody from Spotify. We need to get somebody from YouTube. We need to kind of find out a little bit more about this stuff from the horse's yeah. bounds. Right. But this was a great interview with Linda.
2: Very good. Miles,
1: what yes. did you think as a, an MBA in the music business?
3: Well, to be honest, I learned a lot about licensing, which I hadn't really thought about.
2: Mm. Mm. Yes, very uh, lucrative. Right. Don't ever give up your copyright.
1: That's right. And Jess and Bianca, who are our producers, Jess has a microphone, what uh, what were your thoughts? What did you guys think about this whole uh, interview we did? Interesting. There we go. Everybody was interested. <laughs> we were all very interested. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those great podcasts. Like we had.
2: No, it's. I mean, it's a difficult subject because people really don't know what a PRO does, and then when they learn about what it does, which is really just collect money that's due to you if you are an owner of a copyright, and people just think, well then what does the publisher do? You know, then we get into a lot of confusion because they're not really, they're two different things Mm -hmm. and you need somebody to collect your money. As we always say in class, Paul McCartney doesn't have to worry if your band's playing at Joe's bar because Joe's bar has got a license. You don't have to worry either that you're taking money away from Sir Paul. And you know, then, well then how do they get that money? Well, that's the performing rights organizations. So it's, it's a difficult subject to, um, I think to really fit where it belongs in your in your scheme of the business, but it's once not you the get it, part. yeah, right,
1: yeah, and um, yeah, I mean that's a big thing, and and she did mention what CSEC does. I mean, they do they do do more than just collect money, she, she mentioned earlier. And that's why I was going to say the podcast will be cool to listen back to this because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff she said in there. that uh, seems like they're really
3: to. personal with songwriters and stuff like that. What would you say? It seems like they're really personal with songwriters. Mm-hmm. Great relationships,
1: yes. And uh, we have great relationships with our listeners, which is why we're going to leave now <laughs> and go out with the people and talk to the people about the music business because they've been listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 101.9 w f a n but uh eighty eight point seven w p s c and uh we're going to listen to some baseball in just a moment, but we're going to then teach tomorrow dr Marconi about the biz and who's going to be here next week we're working on a superstar guest for next week oh. it is under wraps it is a big big surprise right
0: now mm.
1: yes but then uh we have some we have some great people cut up this is going to be a very awesome an awesome uh end of 2015, into 2016, wow, into 2017. Wow, so fast. Yes. So why don't we head out? So I would like to thank Jess Frank and Bianca Russo for producing. We should thank Miles Standish-Franco for being <laughs> here today and uh, taking care of the student co-hosting duties. Thank you, Dave. We must, we must embrace and give warm bear hugs to Dr. Stephen Marconi
2: for well, being here. Thank you. And, of course, David Kirk, Phil. Better known as David Kirk Philp,
1: uh, and I am your <laughs> professor, David Kirk Philp. You may call me Professor David Kirk Philp. We want to thank you for being here, and we always, always, always would just like to say in español,
0: ¡adiós!